0: Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files, Loose Ends. I'm Paul Verhoeven, my dad John Verhoeven is currently across in Sydney. Dad, after last week's episode of The Shadow Files, you had to drive home in the Mm. dark from the Wakehurst Parkway, it was about, you know, it was after midnight, Mm. and in the outro to that episode, which I'm sure you heard, I outlined the fact that you had the meter go off the... um, Correct. I think I think it's called an EMF meter. So you had it sitting on the dash, mm. and I thought you might like to talk listeners through what happened after we rang off. Mm.
1: Well, firstly, I'm never ever doing anything like that again.
0: Uh, well, I think you are.
1: No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm never going anywhere by myself again. Oh, okay, right, right. right. Uh, we discussed on the night that was perfectly scripted. We had uh, we had lightning,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we had rain. We had a bit of wind.
0: Super spooky, yeah.
1: We had darkness because it was so funny because you kept saying to me, Dad, what can you see out the window? And I kept saying, nothing. So the thing, Paul, is that I I think it's really important, particularly with what we're about to talk to in this episode, I think I'm going to make a big call. I'm going to make a big call right now Mm -hmm. to you and the listeners. I have been debating internally... Uh, about whether or not to tell you and the listeners what happened to me on the way home.
0: Okay. Because... Did you get mentioned on Richard Mercer's love dedications? I don't even know what you're
1: talking about, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Richard... Who? Who?
2: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.
0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince dot com slash upgrade for free shipping and three hundred sixty five day returns on your next order. That's quince dot com
2: slash upgrade.
1: I'm really I'm
0: I'm laying myself. It's like, you, do you know what keel hauling is? Uh, is that where you would? tie someone by their ankles, drop them off a ship and basically let the barnacles and stuff smash them against the bottom of the ship as you sail away? It's
1: kind of a little bit like that, but actually no. It's They would put you in a chair. They would have a rope at the bottom of the chair and at the top of the chair. They would yeah. put you over the side. They would pull you all the way underneath the boat and back on the other side and your back would be just viscerated and just opened up, probably exposing your
0: spine... But okay the then is, when they... dad, but dad the healthcare system on these boats was very bad so why would you then wound someone so terribly that you'd have to spend time was... and effort to take care of them well it Paul it was punishment right
1: on board these are the transportation ships but then if you survived because you'd probably more than likely you'd drown so they just pull up this mess of and they'd, then they just cut you loose from the chair and just throw you into the sea and the sharks would take you but if you survived, they would take you off the chair, and they'd rub salt into the wounds, which is the, where that sort of expression comes from.
0: So, what's the point of this story?
1: Because I'm about to bear all with 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 what
0: I'm about to tell you about keel hauling. No, I'm giving an analogy. Hang on. So you're saying that what you're about to tell me is as difficult and painful for you as it was for someone being fucking <laughs> keel hauled? No, it's just a point about. No, it's not, a, it's not a.
1: It's not a great point that I've made. Not not the best analogy. Oh, the I hy- guess it was the, all about anyway. The hyperbole. I guess I'm just I'm what, just saying. When that you Dave, when a,
0: next time you go to accuse me of exaggerating, I want you to consider the time when you were going to tell me something that you thought was so bad it was like having your spine exposed by barnacles.
1: Well, I didn't mean that. I meant just being exposed, like I'm. I'm bearing. <laughs> I mean. Oh, Go Paul. On. Yep. Yep. I would not go up to the El Alamein Fountain in King's Cross, and for example, take my shirt off. Right. I wouldn't do it. Okay. But that doing that. Yes. Would be a lot easier than telling what I'm about to tell. See, I like this metaphor
0: because this one at least is is vaguely normal. Okay. So what you're yeah. what you're trying to tell me is that what you're about to tell me yeah, makes you feel a little exposed. Yeah, and I also don't want
1: people to, I'm just very conscious about, you know, when you sort of, it's like, I mean, I'm happy to share and I have done so over the years with with our lovely friends uh, in Loose Units. I've spoken about quite a few dreams that I've had, uh-huh. which are, some of them are definitely unusual. There's no doubt about that. But this thing that happened on Saturday night, I, see, so you've got to be very careful when you talk about these things because you know the power of suggestion. So, you know, I just like to, to let the listeners know. So, I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. Okay, I'm, I've put it out there because there are going to be people that just go, "God, John, you're just they're just not going to believe it." And that's cool. But the story that I'm about to reveal, it's not made up. It's and it's not really a matter of perception because I actually experienced everything. The first thing is when you said to me, "Dad, uh Wind your window down. And I did wind it down because I could hardly breathe once we'd gone off. You, You recall, Paul, when we finished, there was a problem downloading the audio and we had to wait for a long time? Yes. I wanted to get out of there. I just wanted to go home. And you said, Dad, you've got to hang around. And it took more than 10 minutes of me sitting in this fucking ute with a light kind of
0: yeah with a light on illuminating I, you yeah
1: yeah and I couldn't go anywhere and I'm waiting for this and I had this sort of this terrible sort of feeling that I'd be there all night waiting for this because it was golden material paul and I just the thought because occasionally a couple of times in the past we've had to redo the podcast haven't we yeah because it's just the whole thing and and you know I was tethered to my phone it's just not a good it was not a good place for me to be and I I thought Finally, we finished the podcast and then just to be stuck in my ute so close to all these traumatic events and you said to me, why don't you wind your, wind your window down? And I did. And the second I wound my window down and there are going to be people out there going, oh, yes, well, there was a change in the barometric pressure or the whatever. No, it was everything was completely normal. And the second I wound my window down about an inch... Mm-hmm the The device went off.
0: Right, the EMF meter was. It out went of, off. Yeah.
1: That's the first time, and I just thought to myself, "Did you know that it had gone off that night, Paul?"
2: Was I was like,
0: "Talking well, you yeah, you told me that it went off before you know when you were setting up." So yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Well, that was kind of because well, when you first turn it on, it kind of it has to adjust and it sort of does what it does. It goes through a bit of a thing and then you place it down and I placed it on top of the dashboard, on top of the the beautiful, not beautiful, but the soft sort of cover of my MacBook. And I had it sort of sitting there really nicely. I think you made reference to the fact that, you know, was it comfortable? And, but what, what I realized, um, because I'd come to realize this through discussions with the, the two paranormal investigators is that, um you know something had made this thing go off and then i what i did i sort of imagined that because i'd opened the window i'd sort of let something in this is what i'm thinking and i'm pretty nervous at, at that stage obviously because it shocked me and then i asked the i asked a question or a couple of questions, I, but I didn't really know what I was doing, but I'm sort of following the, the protocols that I'd seen on the island, on Cockatoo Island, where they they ask various questions to elicit certain responses, and and nothing happened. So that was fine. Then you eventually got back to me and said, Dad, it's downloaded, you can go. Mm-hmm. So I And that's it, raining, and the roads are slippery. The ute is very dangerous in the wet. I had to go up this bit of an incline onto the Wakehurst Parkway, and then when I took off my The back of the ute was sort of fish a little bit, and I was a bit anxious and I just I, the only thing I could think about I'm just sort of heading into the blackness <clears throat> this is this the stretch of the Wacos Parkway that is just it's pure pure black there's, there's just if you turn the lights off in the ute uh you could you just you couldn't see where you you were going mm-hmm. and um I started heading up the uh the Wacos Parkway towards civilization towards French's forest towards the light. But where I am on this particular stretch of road, um, you know, particularly by myself at that time of night was particularly um, sort of, it was desolate. And then at a certain point, some minutes after I'd been driving and what I'd done, I'd actually picked up this device and I'd kind of put it into a spot um, like a, like a cavity on the dash, which is sort of a fairly deep recessed area where you can store things, and I'd put it right at the back. The back. I didn't turn it off, and I probably am, was wishing I, sh- I probably should have turned it off. And I'm driving in the dark, in the in the dark, and it's raining, and it's just we've we've just ha- had this full on discussion, and I'm and I'll tell you now, I I tilted my um, my rear vision mirror down so I couldn't because I was getting this urge to look in the rear, rear view mirror yeah. and I just thought I can't do that because it's a ute so if there was anything in the back that'd actually be on the tonneau cover. Like that'd be really... I just, I just you know, I was so wired and so I, I couldn't see through the rear vision mirror which is really good I thought. And I'm driving and then after a few more minutes the, the, the meter went off and it just kept going and going and it went for about... Probably, I reckon it went for about ten, maybe fifteen seconds. Whereabouts? Which is a long whereabouts?
0: Where you when it went off?
1: In the middle of the Wakers Parkway, in the darkest, most where you really need to concentrate on, on your driving. It's a, it's single lane each way, right? And it's
2: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still
0: lost
3: fifty pounds.
0: Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right?
2: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results
3: may vary
1: It's late and there's just there's just no one around and then I started and this Poxy thing went off and I just and it filled the whole cabin up with this it was like being inside a fucking disco and uh, that that was unsettling and then it died it just stopped mm. and then I kept going and then I came up to French's Forest to ringa road and then I had to go do this and then I, I thought to myself I thought. I need to listen to some music. So I got my my, my sort of earbuds and I put them in and I've, I've got a, an extensive Spotify list of really good music and I started listening to really good music and I came up into the light. It was like coming into civilization and uh, then I had to sort of make a decision. I was either going to go right and, and for people that know the area, I would have gone over Roseville Bridge and I would have been in the CBD well lit street lights, people round all the way home, but I made the decision to cross Ringaroo Road, go back into the the darkness of the second part of the Waco's Parkway, and as I was going down the Parkway back into sort of a semi but not so creepy area heading towards the suburb called Seaforth, mm-hmm. the the thing went off again, and this time when it went off, I was listening to music. Now, this is the part of the story that's really, in my opinion, terrifying. Um, So I'm just going to put it out there. So I was listening to the music, the thing went off, and then all of a sudden I could hear on the soundtrack, and I know the soundtrack, I've heard it many, many times, I know all my music, I heard these terribly disturbing sounds. They came in two segments, and it was like... I'm not going to say it was like someone speaking backwards but it was really really it was bad and I was so I was so shocked at what I'd heard that, and it, co- it corresponded with the light and I really felt I felt as though I should pull over and what I wanted to do listeners and Paul is I wanted to rewind and start the track again even though I knew I'd never heard this I'd describe it as something really sinister Uh, these sounds that were really terrifying. And I thought, I need to play it again because I need to prove. But I'm driving. I'm doing fucking 80 kilometres an hour in the rain. And all this is going through my mind. And then, as if that's not pretty upsetting, then the worst thing in the world happened to me. Not the worst thing in the world, sorry. Apologies, but I'm getting a bit carried away here uh, because I haven't told anyone this. But what happened was I... I used the instructions, the methods from the the paranormal investigators, how they question, you know, how they ask questions yeah. to, elicit, to, to elicit a response. And Paul and listeners, I'll tell you what happened. And this is... Um, I'm definitely kind of embarrassed to say this, but I'm just telling you all honestly. What I did, I, I repeated those terrible sounds kind of made sense but didn't and i said them and guess what happened why the light came on again and then every single time i said it the light came on and i just thought this is so messed up and then i grabbed this device and i turned it off and i was so um uh, kind of freaked out that i when i got home it was very 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 late uh sweet christine had stayed up and she had when i walked in the front door she had a bottle of wine and two glasses i went straight to the fridge i knocked over a knocked over i knocked i had a like a a beer and i was so wound up i can't tell you i i just could not go to sleep for a long long time and christine kind of she kind of really got it i didn't tell her i didn't want to freak her out I just sort of explained that i had a pretty pretty intense evening, but uh, something definitely happened that's, that night.
0: That's really that's really interesting, Dad. I had something to read to you, which I thought might help actually, in reference to your uh, you know your interactions with this EMF meter. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Uh, this is from an article in the Atlantic. The small Syracuse, New York-based company K2 Enterprises makes a number of handheld electronic devices including the Dog Dazer, a supposedly safe humane device that deters aggressive dogs with high-pitched radio signals, but it is best known for the Safe Range EMF. The size of it's the size of a television remote, the Safe Range EMF detects electromagnetic fields or EMF measuring them with a bright LED array that moves from green to red depending on their strength. Designed To locate potentially harmful EMF radiation from nearby power lines or household appliances, the safe range has become popular for another use, detecting ghosts. Since its appearance in the show Ghost Hunters, where the ghost hunter Grant Wilson claimed that it had been specially calibrated for paranormal investigators, the safe range has become ubiquitous among those looking for spirits. Search for it on Amazon, and many listings refer to it as a ghost meter, an indispensable tool in the ghost hunter's arsenal. It isn't alone among EMF meters. Of the best-selling meters on Amazon, two of the top three are explicitly marketed as ghost meters. Scanning the various product descriptions and reviews, though, what becomes clear is the K2 Safe Range is a relatively unreliable electromagnetic field meter. It operates on only one axis, you have to wave it around to get a proper reading, and it's unshielded, meaning that it can be set off by a cell phone, a two-way radio, or virtually any kind of electronic device that occasionally gives off electromagnetic, electromagnetic waves. The reviewer Kenny Biddle found he could set it off with, among other things, a computer mouse and a camera battery pack. Yet it's precisely because it's not particularly good at its primary purpose that makes it a popular device for ghost hunters. Erratic, prone to false positives, easily manipulated, its flashy LED display will light up any darkened room of a haunted hotel or castle, which is to say, its popularity as a ghost hunting tool stems mainly from its fallibility. And then the article goes on to basically say that these things are kind of the reason they... They work so well if you're a ghost hunter and you're prone to believing, is that they go off randomly depending on any of the things flying through the air. And as a result, they let you kind of latch onto things. What you're talking about sounds more specific and localized, and I'm not denying what you went through. But after reading that and doing some more research, I kind of went, God, I feel like what's interesting is the expert we talked to in episode one talked more about they've kind of moved away from devices and they've, you know, gone to, you know, basically what you described as like. You know feelings, right? You go mm. into a room and you go, something's not right here, and that mm. that to me is relatable. But do, do you find that interesting as an analysis?
1: Mm. Yeah, fascinating. But it still doesn't explain the what I heard on my um, on the song on my song. No, I just um, I, I just wanted, yeah.
0: I wanted people to know that I yeah, had, no, it's wonderful, and <laughs> I,
1: I think it's very very important for us to be very balanced, yeah. and I I hope that we always are, and
0: I think all this stuff is super 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 interesting dad and Mm. i'm really curious because over the coming weeks you and i are going to be heading to various different sites Mm. now i feel like when i go to one of these sites like when i go to the old melbourne jail which i will be doing at some point in the future i kind of want to go unencumbered by those things because i want to try and see if you know anything i want to go acoustic basically Mm. you Mm. know Uh, And I'm sure there's all kinds of very, very reasonable explanations for these things. But what I'm more curious about, for example, heading to the jail is going there and trying to figure out the actual history behind the place and the Mm. crimes that happened there. Mm. You are going to... Next week's episode of The Shadow Files is going to have you talking about your experiences on Cockatoo Island, actually Mm. being there in person. Mm. Now, I'm extremely curious... I'm extremely curious as to how you, an ex-cop, are going to kind of look at the crime element, but we're also going to have a bit of a look at the history of the place and, you know, some of the reasons people were shipped there because it is kind of a hot spot of, you know, convict activity, basically. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if you have any more hot tips for places that you think might be, you know, sites that are, you know, for lack of a better word, haunted. or I mean, Dad, one of the things is we keep looking up different sites to research, and what I'm curious about is... Are there any places that aren't on those lists? Are there any kind of oh. more obscure places that are, you know, kind of local legends? You know, oh, yeah.
1: definitely. I I'm, I mentioned a particular uh, local story yeah. to these seasoned, let's call them ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an amazing, amazing story about Rose Bay Police Station that's within minutes of where we live. Yeah. And it it's. It's 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 a really heavy story, Paul, and uh, we've got some actual um, for later episodes, some first sort of first hand, um, you know, information that's come through from serving police officers, and um, and these ghost hunters had not heard of anything to do with that place, and that's that that is a, it's it's got a serious history.
0: Yeah, I'm really I'm really so, excited. Interesting this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Also, if anyone knows a priest who's performed an exorcism. I mean, seriously, people, we've got a lot of listeners all over the world. If you could mobilize, feel free to, if you are religious, just ask your parish priest and just go, hey, have you ever exercised someone? And if they go, yeah, actually once 30 years ago, and it was really bad, Hmm. then please shoot us a line at facebook.com forward slash loose units. Because honestly, I'm just curious. I'm just, I'm really curious as to what you know the line between kind of faith and you know and fact and belief mm. and all that stuff is really interesting to us so no, fascinating, fascinating. And, yeah anyway thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units Loose Ends The Shadow Files edition have a fantastic weekend everyone be nice to each other and we will see you next week for Loose Units The Shadow Files
2: bye 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 here's a cool fact a crocodile oh. can't stick out its tongue another cool fact